the number one Costa Rica real estate and investment podcast, bringing you experts from all over Costa Rica. Good morning, guys, and welcome to episode 125 of Costa Rica Real Estate and Investments with me, your host, Richard Beckson. I hope everyone's uh, doing well um, and enjoying the cold up north. It's nice and warm down here in Costa Rica, not a cloud in the sky. So uh, today we're going to be talking with Jerry Worth of Pura Vida Drilling. He's been in the water drilling business since 1986 uh, in the USA and also Latin America, uh, most prevalently here in Costa Rica. So we're going to be discussing with him kind of water exploration, permitting, and also drilling for water in Costa Rica and what you need to understand. I know we've got quite a few people out there that are looking to do developments or buying land and actually putting a well on it or drilling. So this one's even going to be learning for me. I always love to talk to uh, anyone that's in water uh, as that really is kind of the uh, the crux of, um, you know, I would say developing here in Costa Rica. Uh, all the rules changed a few years ago. Uh, and since then, uh, again, you need a legal water source to build and also a legal water source to subdivide land as well. The reason for that was prior, a lot of people were just subdividing land and selling it off without water. And then when people came to submit plans for construction, they would ask, hey, uh, where is your uh, your water? Where's your legal water source? And they'd be like, uh, we don't have one. Uh, and of course, uh, basically, it stopped people being able to sell land without legal water as well there. So it'd be great to be discuss, uh, to discuss this with him. Remember, if you want to contact us, you can info at investingcostarica.com. That's info at investingcostarica.com. Uh, for anyone that is looking to invest in Costa Rica, no matter what it is, uh, we deal with everything from just, I mean, basically investing in a condo. Uh, making sure that you make the right move in the right area and really understand kind of the financials behind it um, all the way up to larger developments. Uh, we have a couple of hotel projects going on here and also some land subdivisions as well. So feel free to reach out to us, info at investingcostarica.com. But let's get straight into it with Jerry. Good morning, Jerry. How are you doing? Good morning, Richard. Um, great to be on your podcast and uh, just glad to be here. No, not at all. It's an absolute pleasure to have such a, I would use the word legend. You are in our office anyway, <laughs> of someone that knows drilling. And I mean, you know, just reading over your bio, I mean, you've been in drilling since 1986, if I'm correct, right? Correct. Yeah, my whole wow. life. Sure. Wow. And you've been here in Costa Rica for 21 years? 21 years. Yeah. Wow. You're a, a yeah. lifer like me. So. Well, yeah, we moved here in 2021. So, you know, we saw the uh, the boom that happened before the crash. Yep. And then we saw and then we saw the aftermath after the crash. So, yep. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, talk, talking on that, I mean, you know, with world, you know, economies dealing with inflation, you know, a bit of a global slowdown. I mean, how has this impacted your work? And I mean, what do you think that this will probably mean for Costa Rica, Jerry? I have I've seen an increase in projects since the pandemic. And um you know, things really slowed down a lot, obviously, during the pandemic with the government institutions and people working from home. But we really didn't see much of a slowdown. Now, we were involved in a lot of government projects during that pandemic. But particularly after the pandemic is when we've seen a lot of people starting to move to Costa Rica. And we're seeing um, Americans, Canadians. We're seeing uh, people from Europe, some Chinese. It's It's a whole conglomeration of different people that are moving here and it's really taken a different turn from the boom of 2008 because 2008 was more like you know I always considered it the wild wild west you know you had yep. people coming out 
the rules weren't really clear on how you could provide water to property. Um, so, you know, a lot of guys were coming up, buying 100 hex, getting a second on their homes in, in the United States, wherever they were, and buying the property, build an entrance, bring in electricity, drill well, and then say, okay, I'm going to start selling lots. And it didn't work out too well. So yep. because, because of the regulations and things like that. Around 2011, um, the water laws were revamped and we're more concrete and we're more sure of the ways to distribute water to either individuals or projects. So we're coming along in a very small country. We're coming along. So, yeah. And I mean, how is Q1 looking for you January, February, March this year? I mean, is it still pretty busy for you? Have you seen a bit of a slowdown? We're no, we're full. We're, we're completely, we have three, um, three machines. We have three machines with two running constantly. Um, our third machine is more set up for the, for the central Valley. That's more for government work and deeper wells yep. and larger diameter, but we keep a, a machine completely or all at all times in Guanacaste and another one down South near Domin Dominical. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, drilling for some people, I mean, they're very, they know what it is for other people that don't, I mean, maybe you can explain a little bit about what, you know, Puro Vida drilling does uh, and just give us an example of some of the work that you guys have done. Right. Um, we're a full service drilling company. And so we obviously specialize in drilling, uh, but we also do um, all types of pump installations. We have two people on our staff that only do concessions and water well permits. Um, we do uh, geophysical surveys using two-dimensional resistivity imaging for mapping groundwater flows on large projects before you drill. So, yep. and in addition to that, um, anything that that that, does, that has to do with groundwater and the production of groundwater, we have people on our staff that specialize at that. Well, I mean, that's great that you guys do that, just because I know it can be a very cumbersome process here in Costa Rica. I mean, it once you know what it is that you're doing, it's not. But if you don't know what you're doing, I mean, it's like probably anywhere. I mean, you can get lost very easy. And, you know, I mean, I always say to people in Costa Rica, ask three people. If two people give you the right answer, it's probably the right one. But you can ask sometimes people on water and they give you a variety of different, you know, responses on that. Um, yeah. So it's it's good to know that, that uh, again, you guys know what it is that you're doing and especially having those government contracts as well. I mean, I'm sure that you guys have, you know, been down the rabbit hole. Government contracts are nice because you don't have all the bureaucracy chasing you around since it's for the government. <laughs> <laughs> true, Whereas true. when you go when you go private, well, then the government's on the other side. So, yeah. Well, at least you know how it works. At least you know how it I works. Know how on the works. Other side. I'm, a, exactly. I'm a professional on both sides of it, and you know, it's it's. Um, I'm just amazed at the calls we get each week, and you know, people that are good people, right? And they do their due diligence, and you know, the thing is that people need to remember is, you know, the groundwater laws. You have to deal with somebody that's dealing with the system every day, and attorneys are great, but sometimes they're not. They're not in. They're not behind the line, so to say. And a lot of things change up a lot, you know? So the Department of Water will, will be doing things this, this way at one time, then all of a sudden they change a little bit and they go in this way. And little delays like that with, with a big bureaucratic um, institution like the Department of Water causes delays. So it's, it's very, very important that when somebody is interested in, in providing water for a property, that um, if they don't call us, 
call another company that deals with that every day. And sometimes lawyers are good at legal things and sometimes engineers and service companies are good at doing what pertains to groundwater. So I mean, if somebody, you know, because there are bits of land out there which have been segregated that don't have, you know, a legal water source, like they may have, you know, I don't know, um, you know, there may be a river on the property, there may be a spring. I mean, what are their options available in order to create a legal water source? Because without that legal water source, you are not getting building permits. Right, right. Um, well, we when when people contact us, the first thing we do is we ask for a copy of the plan for the yep. property, which everybody will have. And that's your legal document showing how your, your property is laid out in the square meters and the legal um, numbers of the well. We, um, we take that, we input it into the national system, which has all the surrounding concessions and groundwater or water wells drilled in that area. And we tell the client, yeah, you can drill a well. So they, they, they agree that, okay, I'm interested in doing it. And we uh, schedule a site visit with our geologist and we arrive to the site with a panel, take a look at the, um, the setbacks to uh, Quebradas, setbacks to the private roads, uh, setbacks to the property lines of, of the property and pick a location to drill somewhere where the rig's going to fit and start the permitting process for drilling the well. Okay. And I mean, are you guys just drilling or do you guys do artisanal wells? Do you get concessions on, you know, springs and rivers? I mean, what, what is it that you guys like mainly focus on? We mainly focus on drilled water wells with the machine and yep. the concessions that pertain to them types of wells. So okay. our geologist that we work with, um, which has been with us for a very long time, and you know she's she's a you know professor at the University of Costa Rica. Um, she does things like artesian wells, concessions on on artesian wells. But I have mixed feelings about artesian wells. And, Why? And, Tell us. I'm interested well, to know your thoughts on artesian wells. <laughs> well, I think that the you know the government really. They, they kind of threw us a bone, right? They said, okay, we're going to loosen up the regulations on artesian wells, um, whereas you don't have to pull a permit. And supposedly you don't have to pull a concession. But if you want to use the well for a house that has a substantial use of water, you still have to inscribe that well. So it's not a concession, but you still have to have a technician from the Department of Water come out, inspect the well, and you need to provide some type of proof that the well produces X amount of water and also a clean water sample. Now, my experience is, is that most artesian wells, and not, not, not all of them, but let's just say 80% of artesian wells fail in the months of February and March when it's dry. Yeah. So, you know, not, and I don't want to discourage people from, from doing artesian wells because they do work, but you need to do them in the correct locations. And where I see the most, most success with artesian wells is near the beach because you have the ocean, which is salt water with dissolved solids and it's heavier than fresh water. And it's like a natural barrier to have a big pocket of water, of fresh water right near the ocean. And normally you can dig down and set some of them, what they call canterias or cement yep. tubes and get a water source. The second problem with artesian wells is that they're just, my, in my opinion, they're dangerous because any type of surface contamination that is around that well is going to be coming into the hand dug well. And, you know, um, it's hand dug wells for me in, ge in, in, in a geology term 
it's a capillary fringe of where you're cap capturing the water. So anything that's caught into the soil would seep into this hand dug well and provide you with water. And sometimes it's deceiving because you have this big 36 inch hole and you look down there and you're like, well, geez, I have, you know, eight meters of water down in that hole. But the problem is, is you can, you, you put a pump in there, the water level drops and then it takes a long time for it to recharge. Yeah. So, yeah. That was, that, that's my Jerry Worth 101 artesian well speech. <laughs> no, I, not I at all. I, I mean, I think it's great for people to understand that because again, is, you know, I mean, you know, and no offense to realtors, but realtors are like, oh, you can just put an artisanal well on this, you know, because it's that it's that easy. And, and as you said, you know, I mean, the laws have loosened up. I mean, we had uh, Jorge on here a while back, the hydrologist, ready to talk about that new process for that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm hearing like horror stories coming out of areas like Santa Teresa, Malpais of like, you know, artisanal wells all over the place, but they dry up, you know, come February, March, April, and they're paying thousands of dollars to truck water in because, you know, their places are full. So yeah, I mean, while an artisanal well may work some of the year, you know, and I, I think if you're buying a property that has an artisanal well on, you know, you really want to understand like, and you probably should have some due diligence of being like, what does that look like in February, March and April? Right. That's, and that's what I tell everybody that has one, because I get a lot of calls from people that are looking at buying property. And I tell them, call us in February, call us in March, but get yeah. on our books now because we're super booked. Have us go out there, put our pump down in there. And we're going to pump that well for 24 hours straight. Yep. Not not just put a pump in there and, and let it, you know, pump it for yep. 24 hours and we can get a good idea that it's going to produce water. And like I said, you know, some of them work, the majority don't. Um, and it's, it's just depends on where they're at. So yeah. guys get down there and they, you know, they're chipping away at the rock and all of a sudden they hit a spring and, you know, water comes in there. Hey, it's great, you know, but another um, disadvantage and a con to hand dig wells, they're not cheap. You yeah. know, by the time, by the time you, you hand dig the well, you're still looking at a substantial investment, you know, normally between, you know, three to $5,000 by the time you put a pump in it. And then if you do have to inscribe it, if you've got a large structure that you're going to build on the property with a pool, you will have to inscribe it in order to get a, a building permit. You know, that's going to probably cost you another thousand dollars to have a technician do that work for you. And, um, you know, it's for the risk of something that may not work for you. So yeah. then you call us and you say, Hey Jerry, um, I got a hand dug well and it went dry and it's inscribed. Well, then it's a whole nother process that we have to do before we can even start the permit. So now we have to send a crew out there, legally abandon the hand dug well, register that with the Department of Water, which they have to take out of their system. Okay, the, the hand dug well is not there anymore. And then we can start the water well permit for the permanent well, which is going to set you back, you know, six to nine months and sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, how much, I mean, I don't know whether you're able to kind of give us an idea, but I mean, you know, how much is, is a, is a drill well going to cost? Um, drilled wells and it all depends, you know, the, and, and I'll talk to you in terms of a domestic water well. So yep. that would be a well that's going to be cased, fully cased in either five inch or six inch PVC, um, standard water well casing, you know, with the water well type slots in it that come from a factory. They run anywhere from 10 to $30,000. And yep. it all depends on, on the depth of the well. Um, you know, you get up in the mountains and you're drilling uh, 160 meters, 200 meters, you're going to be between that twenty-five dollars to $30,000 range. You get you come down low and you were drilling like a 50 to 60 meter well, you're, you're 10 grand or less. 
Yeah. So it that's that's how that all works out. Well, I mean, I think it's good for people to know because I mean it is because you guys also do wells basically for kind of like, you know, subdividing land as well in condominiums. Do you guys also do that that type of uh drilling? Right. We do that a lot in the Central Valley. Whereas yeah. the horizontal condominium laws are more pertinent here than than in the coastline. So that's um, that that is our, our other we call that the commercial side of it. Yep. So um, most of them wells are drilled um, in a larger diameter, usually cased the wells cased off in either in between eight inch and twelve inch casing. Um, casing size for the owner gives them the ability the ability to put the size pump they need inside the well. So for instance, if you have an eight inch well, you can put up to a 60 horse and 10 horse, you can go up to 150 horse. And, you know, as you, you increase the casing size, the larger, the submersible pump you can set inside the well. Okay. I mean, what are the areas of Costa Rica that you guys are mainly working in? I mean, you mentioned Guanacaste there, you mentioned Dominicao, but I mean, are there certain specific areas that you're just spending a lot of time working in at the moment? We are constantly of, 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 most of our work is in Guanacaste in the southern zone of Haco, south of Haco. Okay. So not so much in Haco, but Playa Hermosa going south. And we, we drill all the way down to Puerto Jimenez, for instance. Wow. Um, we, drill, we drill around the whole country with the exception of Limon. Um, and it just, it's, it's far. And there's yep. not... There, there's some drillers that are local there and the wells are very shallow and they're kind of, it's, it's pretty simple drilling. So it hasn't really developed in much of a market for us, but um, yeah, I mean, we do uh, the pineapple plantations of San Carlos, uh, the housing projects of San Jose, all the way to projects and residential wells in Guanacaste in the Southern zone of Paco. Wow. I mean, it's great that you're all over the country just because it gives you that perspective, you know, and I mean, I think that that's what important is to have that perspective. And that kind of is comes to my next question. But like, which areas of Costa Rica, you know, have seen the biggest growth since the pandemic, you know, from your type of from your work? I mean, which are the specific areas? I mean, did you a lot more work in Osada or Santa Teresa or in Flamingo? I mean, which specific beach towns for you have just seen so much growth since the Pacific since the pandemic? Yeah, everybody's moving to the mountains, Richard. Uh, so hey, I love you know, the mountains. <laughs> and that's that's what we're seeing. You know, back um, pre-crisis, you know, between 2005 and 2008, everybody was concentrating near the beach, and you know that has its pros and cons. It depends on what you like. But everybody is now moving to the mountains behind the beach, where they're still, you know, five to ten minutes away, cooler weather, yep. um, better views, and you know you're not dealing with the humidity and the and all the things that come with the beach. But I yeah. mean, seeing it in obviously Nosara, Ostianel, San Juanillo, those are the big spots in Guanacaste. You go down to uh, Santa Teresa, Malpais. Um, they're working on a on an on a aqueduct, the aqueducto that's coming from Covenal. That's yep. going to Santa Teresa. And it seems like it's very interesting and working out very well. But we're also getting calls from people that are buying property in the mountains in Santa Teresa and, and also Malpais. So, and the same goes for Playa Hermosa right now. South of Paco is booming. There's a lot of things going on there. Um, and the same thing with Uvita and Dominical. Yeah. Yeah, it's just amazing that how it's kind of forming in pockets. But I agree. I mean, a lot of people are looking for that like thousand plus elevation. 
Um, you know, because as soon as you start to get up there, you know, temperatures drop a little bit, the winds start to blow. I mean, if you get high enough, you don't need AC because I've had clients who are just like, I don't want AC. I, I moved to Costa Rica thinking I was going to beach guy, be a beach guy until I went down to the beach. And unless yep. you're certain, man, the beach is a, it's, it's a harsh environment <laughs> to live. versus going up about, a you know, if you go up three, 400 meters, not even that, really 200 meters above yep. sea level. It's a microclimate. It's cool. You have, it's, it, there's not the humidity, your, your appliances last longer, a whole bunch of just benefits. And, and like I said, if a lot of people just love that opportunity to wake up with a sunrise and go to bed with a sunset. And the views in Costa Rica, especially the areas south of Jaco, have some of the most wonderful views you ever see in your life. So... Yeah, I mean, I was up in Tinamaste, uh, you know, Clatanillo, the Diamond Valley, all up there um, last week. And, you know, we were, I mean, we saw the sunrise and the sunset. And I mean, just those valleys, you know, the kind of clouds rolling off, rolling off the top of the mountains there, you know, the ocean. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, Costa Rica is just full of tons of microclimates and just beautiful views everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And like I said, Tinamaste, we just uh, came back last week from Clatanillo near the big yep. uh, waterfall. That's there. Yep. We're, we're doing a project for a local Asada there. And it's it's wonderful. It's beautiful. You know, rolling green hills with the ocean in the background. Yep. So, yeah. And a green, green most of the year round as well. Yeah, yeah. And I was you know, I was surprised at the it, I really thought in the last 10, 15 years that the prices would increase dramatically. Yeah. And there's a lot of value out there right now. You know, there's yes, there, there was a you know. One hectare of lots with ocean views and also sunset sunrise views that were under a hundred thousand, you know. Yeah. And that, gosh, I don't know if you've checked out the prices in the states lately, but I mean that's value. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, again, I think as long as you're you're able to hunt for it or you know someone that kind of knows someone, you know, I typically mm -hmm. find again anything that's listed usually has a premium on it. Um, yeah. You know, but if you can drive around sometimes or, you know, someone, you know, I mean, we do a lot of stuff ourselves, you know, we find stuff with locals, you know, um, you know, that's not listed and doesn't have that premium on it. So that, you know, I mean, anyone investing here is able to get that, you know, they're the ones gaining, you know, on the, on that price difference. Right. Right. No, that's uh, we picked up a couple of properties ourselves over the last few years and every we have one that's, you know, 20, 30 hex and, and that, not important to side, but the best values are exactly what you say. You find yep. a guy that goes around and talks to Ricardo or whoever, and yep. you know the family wants to sell the farm, and you're going to save so much money. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and there's no middleman sometimes as well, which can be right. So, right. but anyway, not uh, not trying to get realtors out of business here, of course, because again, they're no, no, no. an, an, an an important part in you know in real estate here in Costa Rica. But I mean, Jerry. I mean, which areas of Costa Rica do you think are going to grow in the next five years? I mean, which ones do you think are just going to like really, you know, take off? I think Nosara is gonna is gonna grow, but not Nosara itself. I think it's gonna grow to the north and to the south. Yep, and probably and probably reach up. You know, I'm getting calls from people that have bought property now in Barco Quebrada, which yep. is probably I don't know 20 minutes from Nosara. Um, there's some projects that we're working on in San Juanillo, which is across the river past Ocinel. Yep. No stock is saturated. I don't know, you know what, what more they can do there. So I see them places really growing. And again, up in the mountains. Um, again, Playa Hermosa, uh, south of Jaco. 
That's growing. I went to um, Uvita for the first time about three months ago. And within the last two years, that's going to be a mini Hako soon. And it has grown by leaps and bounds. They're, 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 rumor has it they're going to build either a Maxi Pali or a Walmart there soon. Yeah, so, they are. They're building a Maxi Pali at the moment. Yeah, yeah, at the very so. least. So, you know, those kind of those are the kind of things where um, it's obvious that it's growing. And um, I'm just I'm just very grateful and amazed to see the amount of growth that's happened um, since the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it doesn't appear to be slowing down that much either. I mean, you know, I mean, I think there's still a lot of cash out there that's looking to park and people were kind of looking to divest from their home countries into, you know, a country that is somewhat stable, uses US dollars and that they get to enjoy as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, my last question for you, Joe, that I love to ask everyone. I mean, if you inherited $500,000 and had to invest it into real estate or business in Costa Rica, what would you invest it in and why? Geez, that's that's that, that's like a million dollar question, right? <laughs> no, I, I started my drilling company for less than a half million dollars. No, yep. <laughs> but, um, no, what I really see is like uh, the 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 growing trend is people buying. You know, here's the here's the thing: when you buy a property and you start splitting off planos, right? Yep. And the water becomes an issue because the government doesn't want to see one person supplying water to 20 or 30 different planos. They consider that a water distribution type system. They want to have some type of control over it. But what I'm seeing with people that have you know, half million dollars is they're buying maybe uh, four or five hectare of property, okay? And building small, what's the word they use? Not, not the tiny homes, but they're building small studio type structures on them for the digital nomad community, which is growing by leaps and bounds here. And they're able to lease them or rent them out, or lease them out long term. And also, if they're in a desirable area, they can Airbnb them. Um, that seems like a growing trend. And for and also for you know investing your money for later on, um, may hopefully flipping your property or keeping it for the rest of your life, and also providing a, a monthly income. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's great. I mean, Jerry, if you're looking at one of those hectare farms though, that doesn't have water, I mean, what are your options in order to be able to subdivide? Because unless you have a legal water source, you can't subdivide, right? No, and that's why it's it's fairly easy for us to drill well on them properties because you're not. It, it, well, when you say when I'm talking about a property like where you put multiple units on one plano, that yep. wouldn't would, would not be True. subdividing. It would be a yep. tourism. Yep. As far as subdividing um, projects, you. That's where things get and where owners really need to be aware of the loss. And, you know, we have a really great president here right now, Rodrigo Chavez, and he's really yep. pro um, investment. And I hope that he gets a hold of this podcast because if there was just a few little tweaks we could do in, in the regulations, it could really open up this whole issue with water to a different level. And don't I don't want to say that the, the water is a problem. Water is not a problem. We can get you set up with water. Well, but the thing to keep in mind, though, is like if you're going to buy a property and you're going to drill a well on it, you legally can provide water to the plano that the, that the well's drilled on and to another plano. And it doesn't yep. necessarily need, need to be a neighboring plano. So two planos, not, and it's not important to size, can share one water well. And a lot of that also depends, you know, on the amount of water, the amount of water that the well produces. Now, what we would like to see, and really what 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 should happen, because it's the world standard, is that that should be bumped up a little bit, maybe five. 
planos put on one yep. well. And and still them five people can can form a little association or like a junta directiva or a board of directors to manage that water system. Um, once you go past that, then you look at two different options on how you're going to get water. If you're a project, um, you can drill well and donate it to the local Asada if there is one. And then the Asada or IEA would manage that water system. But you know what they're going to ask you to do? They're going to ask you to build out the infrastructure, build a tank, and then give you the water letters providing water to your lots. And in some instances, it's a great deal um, because you can you can build very dense. But I don't see a lot of investors wanting to build dense. They want to build like these little eco climate areas yep. that are jungle with beautiful lots and, and what have you. And, and like the third way of, of providing water and what we do a lot here in the in the Central Valley is you build your project out under horizontal condominium laws. Now, people are like, OK, well, that sounds great. You know, but if you look, you know, we both live here in the Central Valley. When you're driving around, you see a gated community. That's a horizontal condominium. It doesn't actually mean you're going to build condominiums, but yeah. that that's how they name it. So you have a property and say you have 50 um, lots on it. So that horizontal condominium will need to build out in accordance with the horizontal condominium laws. But that's going to include um, curb and gutter, fire hydrants, some overhead lighting, maybe some access points for handicap. It's going to be your standard U.S. subdivision, right? Yep. And that a lot of people take advantage of that. But there's there's an increase in your development fees. So for people that are trying to stick to the agricultural lots that are around 5,000 square meters, maybe 10,000 square meters, they look at the price tag of doing that and like, wow, man, that's, I got to do all that. And I'm only going to sell 10 lots on these, on these 20 hex. It really doesn't, you know, make much sense. And again, we're hoping, we're hoping that, that this new administration slowly will revamp some of these laws and make it so you can pull, you know, five concessions on a water well, and that would take care of that type of situation. But yeah. I've, I've got a lot of clients that are sitting on on some issues, you know, that, that and we're having to, you know, wait for Asadas to pick them up or um, look at other avenues of water. Yeah, I mean, you know, because there's a risk there. I mean, you buy a piece of land and even when you go into the Asada and they say, you yeah, know, there's water capacity. I mean, that was at that particular moment. By the time that you go, you know, and you have to maybe you need to have a study done. You know, you have to pay an engineer to have a study done before that's done, you know, and that's there you five, seven thousand dollars. And once you get that study back, then, you know, you need to put in all the infrastructure and you're paying for that. Um, you know, so, I mean, there's just always risk of developing here in Gloucester, always. And I think people just need to understand that. Yeah. And the risks are because of the bureaucracy. Right. And and it's like, you, you, but people that have been here for a while, we know yeah. how the bureaucracy works. So, you know, my, my, my number one um, advice to somebody buying a property, and if you want to connect to the local Assad, especially if it's multiple lots, is that you go in there and that's where the language barrier, you know, happens because a lot of the, the people that are moving down aren't fluent in Spanish. But get a company like us or get an engineering company and go and talk to the Assad, talk to the president of the Assad and tell them exactly what you want to do and work on an agreement with them, you know, a written agreement that, um, I'm buying this property. I, I'm, I plan on having 10 lots on it. Can I get a commitment from the Asada that they'll give me 10 water letters, availability yep. of water, you know, disponibility that I was uh, from your Asada. Once you have that and that's in concrete, now that's not going to say if you're going to wait three or four years, that that's still going to be valid. Yeah, but yeah. at least you have an idea, right, that you're going to have Definitely. that water. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well, Jerry, this has been a great podcast. As, you know, I think as anyone listening to this can see is, you know, Jerry is certainly an expert in, in what it is that he does. And I think that anyone that's looking to do, you know, a development or build a home and is looking to drill a well, I mean, I can certainly, you know, give you thumbs up on and, uh, and, and say that you know what it is that you're doing. I mean, you've been here long enough. So, I mean, if you weren't good, we'd, we'd have heard about it by now. So, I mean, I think anyone that's been in business here in Costa Rica for 21 years, you know, I mean, we, you know, it's uh, deserves the, uh, the right to have, you know, to have the thumbs up. So Jerry, really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I'll put all your contact details in the description uh, and I'd love to get you on in the future. Thank you. You call me anytime you want and uh, I'd love to do it again. And just thanks for having me on your podcast, Richard. Not at all, Jerry. Have a good day. Thank you. Take care. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that podcast with uh, Jerry there at Puerto Vida Drilling. As you can see, I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty complicated process here as wells. And, you know, I mean, I think that Jerry and his team are more focused on the perforated wells, you know, where they're drilling down 50, you know, 200, 300 meters here. Um, and especially for, you know, larger homes and development. So, I mean, I think anyone that wants to reach out to him can. All of his contact details are there in the description and it's Puerto Vida Drilling. Um, guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, uh, please give us a five stars or a review. I'd always love to hear from you. If anyone wants to talk to us about any project that they want to do in Costa Rica, you can do. It's info at investingcostarica.com. Info at investingcostarica.com. Until the next podcast, guys, uh, take care of yourselves and, uh, and behave yourselves. Speak to you soon. Bye. The number one Costa Rica real estate and investment podcast, bringing you experts from all over Costa Rica 